2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 10. Unless I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelation that there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, or three times, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore I take pleasures and infirmities and reproaches and necessities and persecution and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. For the next few moments, I want to preach a message called the puncture of a thorn. The puncture of a thorn. Before you're seated this morning, turn to your neighbor, tell them they look better than you, and then you can be seated. Punctures hurt. You ever been punctured by a needle? I've seen some of the toughest men resort themselves to young babies when a needle is presented before them. Needles can hurt and punctures get our attention. My mother's a retired nurse and she has stuck a needle in thousands and thousands of grown men. Some of them have cried and some of them had asked her if it was going to hurt. Most people don't like needles because being punctured is not a pleasant feeling. It requires a nurse to wipe the blood off of us or an Avenger or a Hello Kitty bandage to save the day. But my opening text, the Apostle Paul addressing the church in Corinth, and Paul is simply telling his firsthand account of what a thorn in the flesh feels like. We know from this passage of Scripture that the thorn in Paul's flesh humbled Paul. We know that this thorn in the flesh kept Paul from being exalted above measure. However, we do not know exactly what this thorn in the flesh was. Many explanations have been put forward, but whether Paul is referring to a physical, spiritual, or emotional affliction, or something else entirely that has never been answered with satisfaction, since Paul was not talking of a literal thorn, he may have been talking metaphorically. Some of the more popular theories on Paul's thorn could have been a temptation, a chronic eye problem, malaria, migraines, epilepsy, a speech disability, but no one knows for sure. However, we do know that God cares more about our character and preventing our pride, even to the point that he will allow a thorn to come upon our flesh. Paul even asked the Lord three times to remove this thorn in his flesh. Paul did not like the puncture of the thorn, and he did not like the after effects of the puncture of the thorn. But Paul simply asked the Lord to remove it, and Paul called this thorn in his flesh the messenger of Satan. Buffet here in the Greek is kalokos, which means to strike with a fist. The same word buffet is used in Matthew 26, 67. Then did he spit in his face and buffeted him, and others spit with him in the palm of his hands. Jesus' own people 
The Jews, the chosen people, spit on him and buffeted him. They struck him with their fists. Who in their right mind would allow horrible treatment to the Son of God? I mean, I thought Jesus' life was glamorous. I thought he was the Son of God. I thought he was deity in flesh. I thought he had all power in heaven and earth. Why would God allow Jesus to have the same treatment as Paul? Would there be a puncture to Jesus' flesh just like Paul had? John 19, 2. And the soldiers plaited a crown of thorns and they put it on his head and they put on him a purple robe and Jesus would be punctured by a thorn just as Paul had been punctured by a thorn. As a matter of fact, Jesus would have a crown of thorns plaited on his head. It would be planted and twisted on his head so that it could bring the worst case scenario for Jesus. No turning back for Jesus. A crown of thorns would accompany God's perfect will for Jesus a mere 33 and a half years old. Jesus as did Paul would never have their thorns removed unto death. Death would separate the torment of the thorns from Paul and Jesus and the puncture of their thorns would play into these men. Both Jesus and Paul would become to fulfill their purpose here on the earth. You see today believers, thorns sent from God was never meant to define you and who you are. Thorns allowed from God was designed by God to push you into your destiny and push you into your purpose. What struck you in the face, what come out of nowhere, is just God allowing a thorn to push you into his perfect and divine will. Not all thorns are sent from God, but the thorns that God sends are carriers of God's provision and God's blessing. And we learn about ourselves through these thorns. Notice I didn't say we learn about others. We must learn about ourselves through these thorns. Thorns teach us about us, about who we are, what our motives are. Are they pure or do we have an ulterior motive? We all want God's strength here today. But as Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, his strength is only made perfect in our weakness. So if you have an infirmity of, or a thorn and you've been punctured like Paul, that thorn that God is not removing is not meant to discourage you today. That thorn that God allowed is meant to propel you into the next dimension of God's power and God's authority. You might have felt inadequate, not good enough, underqualified. Overlooked, but rest assured, that's just a feeling. If you keep your spirit right, if you stay faithful to God and the authority that God has placed you under, you will grow out of the dimension of feelings and step in the dimension of spiritual power and spiritual authority. Like you have never heard or even seen before. You, Lord, we're going to ask God to stir us up here today and stir up the supernatural for your glory. We're not called to be led by our feelings here today. We're called to be led by God, to be led by the Spirit. And when you're led by the Spirit, then victory becomes your battle cry. I don't know about you, but I want to speak victory over my life, victory over my home, victory over my church, victory over my family, victory over my finances. I want victory in my life. I speak victory. 
But in order to have that, God is going to require a few things from us today. First, God wants you to watch how you speak about those in spiritual authority. This includes anyone here. If you speak about spiritual authority, the Bible says we become cursed and then our feelings will follow. Feelings of hopelessness and helplessness, doom and gloom. Don't try to justify your feelings, Absalom. Don't ever touch God's anointed. I don't care how much you've been hurt. I don't care how negative that person has been to you. Don't allow your past to guide you anymore. Release that past oppression from off your spirit and pick up the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Absalom could have spared his own life if he would have just followed in his father David's footsteps and never spoke about or touched God's anointed. Isaiah 61, 3-4, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord that he might be glorified. And they shall build the old waste, they shall raise up the former desolations, and then they shall repair the waste cities, the desolations of many generations. Submission creates loyalty, and I'm not talking about toxic loyalty. I'm talking about submitted loyalty because there is a difference. Everyone say, Brother Razor, you know where you're going. To create a culture of loyalty, it must start with the words we speak. This is not a room of judgment. This is a room of mercy. Notice that Jesus Christ did not create a judgment seat. He created a mercy seat. What's on the mercy seat? It's his blood. What's underneath of that mercy seat? We got the law of God, the power of God, the authority of God, and his strength. And if you want to stay under God's power and God's authority here today, you might have a puncture in your flesh. You might not have understood everything that's going on. But rest assured, God's hands upon this church. God's hands upon your pastor. God's hands upon this leadership. You must understand that thorn in your flesh is just God's way of saying, will you submit to me? Can I be transparent for a minute? There are things I don't like that my pastor tells me. If you've never had Brother Stark in your crawl, Lordy Lord, I've never had to think about what he was thinking. He likes to tell me. I was over there yesterday and he was telling me everything. Either I wanted to hear or I didn't want to hear. But that gives me no right to fling mud at him and anybody else that I don't agree with. Submission, listen to this, submissions start where agreement ends. And today this church and everyone under the sound of my voice must start creating a culture of mercy for opinions we don't agree with. I don't speak against other pastors. I don't speak against sectional leaders. I don't speak against district officials. I control my words. And they must be pleasing unto the Lord, or else I puncture my own self with thorns that cause harm to me and my family.
There's never a good time to say a negative word, never. I don't care how much we don't like it. I don't care how much we, don't, we disagree with it. There's a never a good time to say a word that could potentially harm someone. Stay submitted to those that God gave rule over you, for they watch for your, everyone say, soul. There's nobody that's going to give an account for your soul other than that man right there on the front row. Any voice that's contrary to his voice in your life, you just cast that seed aside and you pick up the seed of the voice of your pastor. Stay submitted to the man of God and God will cover you no matter what you face in your life. And I get the critics. Well, what if it's true? What if something happened? I got a word for you. Take it to God. If you take it to God, God will fix it. If you take it to somebody else, they'll cause chaos. Everyone say it might be tight, but it's right. We're just trying to protect you right now. I got a voice right now that God gave me, and I'm just trying to protect you. I would never harm anybody. But when God gives me a word, I have to do what thus saith the Lord. I've tried to do what thus saith Jason, and I got myself in a little bit of trouble. Can I get any witnesses from anybody that's got themselves in trouble before? Anybody ever been? And I was telling my son the other day, and please, kids, uh, don't listen to as as Pastor Jason speaking. Don't, don't do as I did, right? Well, when I was a junior in um, high school, uh, they were passing around a cheat sheet, and I put my foot on top of the cheat sheet, and my teacher's like, uh, Jason, is that a cheat sheet in there? I said, of course it is. So I picked up my foot, and there's a cheat sheet down there. She's like, what are you trying to do, cheat? And I said, yeah, I'm trying to cheat. And I said, you're causing a problem because you're not letting me do it. You think God caused that thorn? Do you think God caused that thorn? Don't you think my son Ashton's like, Dad, you did that? I said, yeah, I did that. And if you do that, I'm going to come to that church and I'm going to be put in jail like Paul and Silas. That's why I talk to my kids, because I want my kids saved. I don't enable my kids. You submit to Dad. Dad's the voice of God in his home. He's just not the voice at the church because if I'm just the voice of the church, if your pastor's just the voice at the church, then he can't be the pastor at home. Authority starts at home before it comes to the church. If you take something to your brother and sister, you're causing one thing. It's called division, and you're sowing discord. And God don't just hate that, but he calls it an abomination. You know what an abomination is? Abomination is just God not disliking it. God's like, you know what? I'm going to have to be careful and not put judgment on your life. Anybody ever tried to do something and God told you not to do it, then you did it, and you're like, God, please help me out of this situation? Am I the only one? I've been married for 20 years, and I've prayed for more grace and more mercy, not just from God but from my wife. Can I get an amen from any honest husbands? I was quoting my wife the other day. He knows the way I take it. And she's like, yeah, he does, but I don't. You got to communicate to me too. 
Sometimes we don't communicate to God or the man of God like we should. We should protect the family of God first. That should be our agenda. God speaks through thorns, but make sure it's the thorns of direction, not the thorns of judgment. Paul and Jesus were given the thorns of direction, but in Genesis, Adam was given the thorn of judgment. Genesis 3, 18 and 19. Thorns also and thistles shall bring it forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field, and the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat, till thou return unto the ground, for out of it which thou taken, for dust thou art, until dust thou shalt return. When disobedience enters our life, then the thorns of judgment accompany our destiny. Adam ushered in the term working man. Here the word thorn is mentioned for the first time in the Bible, and it's not a pleasant one. The puncture still affects all of us men here today. When you get up and when you go to work, it's because Adam made a bad decision. If we make a bad decision in our home, it don't just affect our family, but it'll eventually affect the church family. I remember one time Bishop Stark said something to me I didn't want to hear. I'd saved up money for Bible school. I'd saved up for the first semester and went to his office. And I said, Bishop, I said, I'm going to Bible school. I'm going to CLC. He said, you're doing what? I said, I'm going to Bible school. He said, oh, you are, are you? Now, if you've ever been around Bishop Stark, he don't really like to tell you what you want to hear. He tells you what thus saith the Lord and what you need to hear. You know what he saved me from? Putting a thorn in my flesh from doing something that I shouldn't have done. Because he loved me enough. The man of God loved me enough to tell me something that I didn't want to hear. You got a pastor. You got a first lady. You got a church that will tell you what, not what you want to hear, but what thus saith the Lord. You know how hard it is to be submitted to him sometimes. It's difficult. I told our church, I said, I'm a kitty cat compared to him. I'd never ask him a question. I don't want to know the answer. You ever met anybody that will just tell you like it is? But they ain't got the sense to figure it out before they told you. I find the people that give the greatest or give the most advice are people that shouldn't be given advice. Someone spoke against the church or the man of God. Mark them, which caused division among you. You know how you tell if it's a wolf? If it's huffing and it's puffing, it's trying to blow God's house down. Don't get around it. But I'm just trying to, I was at a church and I was preaching this message. A guy come up to me after church, he was like, Brother Razor, but I know what you preach, but he said, but. Now some buts are bigger than other buts, and I'm talking about how they say it. Oh, Jesus. Where's my wife at? And then he said, but, Brother Razor. And I was like, well, what, what do you mean? He's like, but, but that person needs someone to talk to. And I said, I got a word for you. The person they need to talk to you is not you, and it's Jesus Christ. And if you listen to them, you're causing division in this church.
Anybody ever been in a bad mood before? Raise your hand. Maybe you're in a bad mood because I'm preaching, but just follow me. I don't care how bad of a mood you get in, you never take it out on your pastor. Because if you take out your bad attitude on your pastor, you pick up an Absalom spirit and you'll get caught in a tree just like Absalom do and you will hang up your own ministry and he will not be able to allow you to become the man or woman of God that you're called to be because you got caught up in your six pound of hair, your glory, your honor, and not God's glory and not God's honor. That's why we come to church. We come to magnify the Lord. How many people I don't want to tiptoe around at church, but some people I have to tiptoe around. There was a lady in our church. Believe it or not, she was on the music. I had to tiptoe everything I said. God gave me a word, Brother Brooks. And when God gives me a word, I say a word. Because if I don't say the first word that God gave me, he won't give me a second one. So I called the music team up. I just got, I, I come to church right before it starts. That's just me. Every pastor's different. I showed up, came right to the pulpit, called him right up. I said exactly what the Lord was going to do to the music team. I said, be careful, something's getting ready to happen. Right after church, my wife's like, get over here. And I was like, what did I do this time? Anybody ever have a, and it's not the wife's fault, it's the husband's fault. But I was saying, Jimmy, I was just saying what the Lord told me to say. I wasn't saying what I wanted to say. I didn't even know what went on that morning at music. But here's what happened. Exactly what I said from behind the pulpit is what happened that morning. And there was a huge fight in the music team. And the very person that I spoke it to or was speaking it to in the literal sense was the person that had just done it. And we were headed to a church family picnic right after church. And guess who got guess who got talked to afterward? I can't believe your wife said that. I can't believe. I can't believe. I, I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. I said, I just get to church right before service starts. I said, you can text, you can check my text, you can check my phone call. I said, I had no talk to my wife, but I did have talk to him. And when God speaks to me, I say, thus saith the Lord. And if you want to protect me, and if I'm really your pastor, you'll receive it, and you might not even understand it. You're not going to understand everything your pastor or your first lady does. But you still submit. Can we put up Hebrews 13, 17? Obey them. Obey them that have the... Obey there in the Greek means to be persuaded. Has anyone ever been persuaded when everything's going good to submit to people? It's easy to follow somebody when they're saying whatever you want to say. My mother told me, my mother was trying to hook me up with, with, with a girl when I, when I was dating. And, and she said, son, she said, I've got, this, I've got this girl I want you to meet. And I said, cool, mom. I said, what's she look like? 
She said, well, honey, she goes, she has a great personality. Now, I got faith, but I got two eyeballs, too. But he knoweth the way that I take. And I said, Mom, I, she said, well, you might, not want to, you might not want to meet this. Sometimes in our life, in our walk with God, we, we, we look at God, we're like, God, why, why is this not happening? Like, Why shouldn't I be further along? And God said, you're obeying the man of God, but you're not submitting. What's the difference? Obedience means persuasion, and submission means retiring. When you retire your opinion, that means when you submit. So when Bishop Stark said to me one time, he's like, he said, he, he, he said something to me, and he's like, well, I think we're going to start the church a little bit later. And I guess what got in me, a little anger got up in me a little bit. And I had a thorn in my flesh, and I went to my wife. I was like, I can't believe that Bishop would pull the, 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 the date back when we already had something figured out. You know, it wasn't about Bishop. It wasn't about God. It was Jesus checking my spirit. So after I had a come to Jesus meeting, anybody ever had one of those before? And I know there's elders here that have been here a lot longer and been serving God a lot longer than me. But this thing works. If we obey them that have the rule over you, that's important. But watch, Donna, watch else, what else it says. And it says, and submit yourself. Submit there in the Greek means to retire. You retire your opinion. The easier it is when we get emotional to make decisions before we even come to the man of God, that's not submission. Submission is saying, Pastor, what do you want me to do? What do you feel we should do? Pastor, let's pray about this and let's come to an answer. 2 Corinthians 11.26 the punctures still affect all of the men here today. Adam did not stand up and become the spiritual man of the home that day, and humanity would swirl into peril. And this peril would continue even to the time of the Apostle Paul. In journeys often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of mine own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the country, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren. God is calling this church today in revival mode, and I believe He's simply asking those under the sound of my voice to submit to the word of the Lord today. God wants to remove some thorns out of people's flesh here today. But it starts with submission. It's going to make a conscientious effort from everyone here this day forward. But this church is moving forward under the power and the authority of the Holy Ghost. And it's not looking back to thorns that could harm or hurt you. But these thorns are sent from God to propel you and push you forward into God's perfect will. Philippians 3, 14 and 15. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, as many be perfect, be thus minded. And if any man be in like minded, God shall even reveal unto this and to you today. So in order for this church and this body of believers to press forward, I believe we must be intentional about what we speak. Can I get an amen? Or no, me. Depends on how you're looking. Proverbs 18, 21. Death and life are in the power. Everyone say the tongue. And they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. 
Has anyone ever been hurt in this church? Raise your hand. If you've ever been hurt at all. I remember we were at, when I first started pastoring, we, we had two weeks of experience. And I had a lady in the parking lot, Brother Brooks, and she said, you need to do your job. <laughs> two weeks in pastoring, you need to do your job. Do you realize what I gave up to get here? Do you realize what I had to go through just to step past you today and just not fall apart? Do you realize how hard it is sometimes? Do you realize how difficult it is sometimes to walk with God? That's what I wanted to say to her because we were starting a church, and I'm telling you, I was so stressed. And when you get stressed, your marriage can be put under scrutiny, can you? Because the... The enemy's not going to attack the woman first. He's always going to attack the man first because the man is the spiritual head of the home. So what's going to happen to the next dimension for this church is the men of God in this church have got to step up. And we have to become the spiritual head of our home. What I wanted to say to her that day was, I've got two weeks of experience. Please leave me alone. Anybody ever thought that in your life? Please leave me alone, devil. Please leave me alone, man of God. Please leave me alone. Please just leave me alone. I'm trying the best I can. Anybody ever thought that way before? And I came back in. I was out in the parking lot. We were in the basement of the American Legion. And I had to go preach five minutes. After she just ripped my head off in the parking lot. That's somebody that's not submitted. Is that fair enough? Somebody that didn't retire their opinion. Somebody that always took me to lunch and took us to breakfast years down the line. I come to find out that that very person that I'd spent so much time with and loved so much and been over there when the police officers were over there and been over there when they were in fights and all that. That same person sent text to the entire church how I didn't love people. When I'd given up everything I had, I'd given up time with my wife, my family. I've given up all the monetary things, the blessing, the business that I had, making six figures easy. I gave it all up. And the very person that I helped the most, the family I helped that most, Brother Brooks at that time was the very one that stabbed me in the back. The one that had given me texts from other people in the church hurting me was the very person that was causing all the problems. I left that day so wounded. I called Brother Stark and I said, Brother Stark, I said, I am done with this. I am tired of pastoring. I was only two years into it at this time. The thorn in my flesh, God was trying to mold some stuff and pull some stuff out of me. And God was like, it's not about you. It's about this church. It's about the revival. It's about this region. It's about everything that I want to do under the sound of my voice. There's people and there's ministries and there's individuals in this church where God is wanting to elevate you and raise you to another level. But are you willing to submit when you don't understand? It's easy to listen, right, when we want to hear what we want to hear. Sure, you can sing. Sure, you can preach. Sure, you can do that. Can the man of God really speak into your life? Is this a fair question? I know this ain't a rah-rah, but I want you to think. 
And Pastor Blankenship says something. And he's led by the Spirit. We follow what he says, don't we? Is this okay? Can I get an amen from the congregation? Oh, I know I'm digging somewhere. That's all right. I've been doing this for a while. When First Lady says something, <clears throat> we do what she says. Now, if Jimmy says something, we're, you know, we got to figure it out. He might be handsome and have good shoes on, but that doesn't mean we listen to Jimmy, right? Can I get an amen? If pastor, the youth pastor, says something about your kids, is it your kid's fault or is it your youth pastor's fault? It's probably your kid's fault. And I love my kids, but I also have a baby. She's 11 years old, and she likes to get the, her way. And this ain't Frank Sinatra, I'll have it my way. This is what's best for the church. Your youth pastor, as well as your pastor and the leadership of this church, is trying to protect your children. Allow them to protect your children. God, I sound like Bishop Stark. But this will save you. A submitted person is a saved person. And a submitted person will stay a saved person. Even when you don't understand it. Death and life is in the power of the... God is calling this church into a paradigm shift of apostolic power and apostolic authority. But it starts with the word we speak to ourselves and we speak about others. If you've been listening to a wolf, understand that wolves run in packs. But if you step away from the pack, the wolf will die out. I have preached this message four times. And every time it's completely different. Sometimes it's more exuberant. Sometimes it's complete silence. Sometimes it's up and down. And sometimes it's like it is today. There's a vein in this church where God is wanting to literally release a new anointing and a new blood throughout this church. But we've got to pick up the power of submission. All right? How do you know if God's getting ready to elevate your ministry? You're going to do something that you want to do, and they're not going to grab your idea, or they're not going to allow you to do it, and you're still going to keep the right spirit. Somebody did something to me the other day, Brother Brooks, and I'm telling you right now, I did not have a good attitude when it was done. Has anybody else ever done that before? Now, I don't smile like a youth pastor. I don't have that joy. I need that joy. I'm trying to get that joy. Maybe I had it before I started pastoring. I don't know. But your pastor loves you. 
God does not put a shepherd, an under-shepherd over you unless they are prepared to be the shepherd. Is that all right? So the hierarchy is Jesus the chief shepherd, Brother Blankenship, Pastor Blankenship is the under-shepherd, and then there's the saints of God. Does that make the pastor better than you? No. It just means you got to have somebody that has veto power in your life. The greatest decision I had that day when I was in Bishop Stark's office about going to CLC, going to Bible college, the greatest thing my pastor did for me that day was he taught me that just because I feel something does not mean it's from God. Because we are emotional beings. That's why God has to give you a pastor in your life to make it to heaven because your pastor is going to know things about you that, not, that, that you don't know about yourself. I don't know if this is online or not, but there's a minister that came that underneath of me that I was pastoring. I called him in my office. The Holy Ghost has been speaking to me five or six times. And Brother Raymond Woodward, Bishop Woodward, told me, he said, the meeting you want to have the least is the one you need to have the most. How exciting is that? So I called him in my office, and I said, well, I got two things to tell you. And I said, I believe the Holy Ghost spoke to me. I start weeping and crying in my office. I'm not a weeper. I'm not a crier unless it's the Holy Ghost. But I'm sitting there crying like a two-year-old. You've seen the two-year-old crying there, talking to this minister. And I said, there's two things you need to fix in your life. And as I proceeded to say it, I just kept weeping for the next five, ten minutes. I'm crying, telling him what I don't want to tell him. But I had to love that man enough to tell him what thus saith the Lord. Because submission, when God tells me to do something, I've got to submit to him. I've got to retire my opinion. If Bishop speaks in my life, I've got to retire my opinion. I asked him, should I come here today? He said, go in the name of the Lord. So I'm here. I'm under Bishop's authority. You don't know how this will save you. You know that person that's got all that information that has twisted it and it looks like a pretzel by the time it got to you? They're wrong. Is this on? Is this microphone? I was just making sure. Say, we still love you, Brother Razor. I need to hear it. I don't even care if you fake it. I'm telling you something that will save your soul. Could I have preached? I, I love preaching faith. I can preach faith upside down and all around. But I have a word from the Lord. Don't allow a puncture in your flesh to come from someone's word that's not true. Because if you speak against God's anointed, you will become a wolf just like them. If they ever allow me back, I promise I will preach a much prettier message. But not today. Today, we're going to come to the altar and we're going to ask the Lord, whatever is in my flesh that doesn't need to be in here, I'm going to release it at this altar and I'm not going to pick it back up. Is that all right? I said, I might have said, I don't know if I really meant it that way. Guess what? Get rid of that too. Well, I, 
You don't understand. I don't have to understand because we're submitting to the man of God behind the pulpit and we're retiring our opinion about what that person said because they're not your pastor and they don't have to give an account for you. Brother Blankenship's your pastor and he gives an account for you. And if anybody needs the Holy Ghost, this is a good atmosphere to get it because we're going to be submitted to what God wants to do. And God loves to give the Holy Ghost out. God loves to baptize. I see you got a nice little baptismal take. If you've never been baptized in Jesus' name, it is the greatest experience that you will have in your entire life. There's nothing like getting baptized in the name of Jesus. There's nothing like getting filled with the Holy Ghost and speaking in other tongues as the Spirit of God gives the utterance. There's nothing like it. This is what I feel in the Holy Ghost, Pastor. If you allow yourself to us to come together as a family, and I know this is, this is a full church. I like this church. But we're going to come to the front, come down the middle. You can start coming now. And we're all going to repent together. And we're going to ask the Lord, is there anything in my flesh is there anything I said against leadership? Is there anything I said against the pastoral family? Is there anything I said against my brother and sister? And when we come to the front, and they're going to play the music here in just a moment, we're all going to repent together. We're going to ask the Lord to forgive us of anything we've said and anything we've done. Okay? And then after that, we're going to see what the Lord's going to do. Maybe he's going to fill some people with the Holy Ghost. Maybe he's going to heal somebody. Does anyone need healed in here? I want you to raise your hands if you need healed in your body. Okay, we got some people here, right? Guess what? We're repenting and we're getting all the junk out of our spirit. So if God wants to heal us today, you're going to be healed. Let's repent together. Father, the name of Jesus, Lord. Anything I've said... Anything I've done, Lord, create in me a clean heart, O oh God. Renew a right spirit within me, God. God, I thought anything I've said against authority, anything I've said against the ministry team, anything I've said against my brother and sister, God, any way I've sinned, God, this week, God. Lord, create in me a clean heart, O oh God. Renew a right spirit within me, God. Lord, I pray, God, Lord, that anything in my spirit that's not pure, that's not holy, that's not righteous, God, Lord, I submit that. I surrender that to you, God. And Lord, as they get ready to play here in just a moment, as they get ready to sing here in just a moment, God, God, I'm going to raise up my hand. I'm going to close my eyes. I'm going to lift my head, God. And if I need the Holy Ghost and I've never spoken another tongue, God, I believe you're going to give it to me. God, if I need a healing in my body, God, I believe you're going to heal my body, God. Lord, if I need deliverance, God, from things I have against leadership, I believe you're going to deliver me. In today's service, God, I lay it down. And here's what we're going to do. If you have odd against anybody in this church, I want you to go to them at some point before you leave. We'll play just a minute. There was a guy at the campground. He walked right by. He ran right by me. He said, Brother Razor, I got to tell you something. I said, yeah. He said, I had odd against the other pastor over there. I said, oh, it's terrible. I didn't sit there and be like, I thought something. And I was like, it's good. He said, I had to go to them. 
he goes, because every time I would do something, he said, I would think of them. And every Because what happens is where you're hurt at is where you revert back to. Dr. Hughes will teach you, if you don't release your past when you've been wounded, you'll go back to that moment when you were hurt the worst. If you've been hurt by a pastor, you need to lay it down today. If you've been hurt by the first lady prior to this, you need to lay that down. If you've been hurt by the pastoral family, you need to lay that down. If you've been hurt by a youth pastor or his wife or their family, lay that down. If you've been hurt by leadership, lay it down. If you've been hurt by your brother and sister, lay it down. Because we're going to have revival in Athens. Amen. Amen. Let me ask this before we get started. Is there anyone here that's never received the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues and you would like to receive it today? I want you to raise one hand. If you would like to receive the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. Good. If you've never received the Holy Ghost, the evidence of speaking in other tongues, and we get praying and you start, why don't you come on up? We'll pray you right through. I don't, I don't get tight. You know why? But you know how many people I've seen get the Holy Ghost after I've done that? I haven't seen one hand. I was at Ken Dillingham's, Brother Dillingham's church in Dayton. No one raised their hands. Then we had eight people get the Holy Ghost. I'm not worried about it. I have never given anybody the Holy Ghost. I would like to give somebody the Holy Ghost, but I can't do it. I would like to give some people some certain things I can't do. I like to be an evangelist. Being a pastor was a little bit more difficult. I got a gift basket. And then I got knives when I was a pastor. I said this one time I had to repent. I was like, I'm going to make them some macaroni and cheese. They're like, oh, that's so nice. I said, I'm going to put knives in it too. That was horrible. Thank God it was a leader that loved me enough. They're like, oh, pastor, that was funny though. But your pastor would never honestly do anything to harm you or hurt you and your first lady. These are good people. Me and my wife are very cautious about who we connect to because my wife's been hurt a lot being in a ministerial family her entire life. When she found out that I was a pat, well, called to be a pastor, I thought she was going to leave me because she's like, do you know what pastors go through? And I was like, no, I don't. I've never been in a pastoral family. She said, it's very rough. But not in this church. In this church, we're submitted. In this church, we're going to have revival. In this church, we're not going to try to figure it out. We're going to have rejoicing in this church. In this church, if pastor says it, I believe it's going to happen in this church. You ready? Everybody raise their hands. It's comfortable. If you need a healing, here's what you're going to do. You're just, you're not going to cry. You're going to rejoice for your healing. If you need a breakthrough, you're not going to cry. You're going to rejoice for your healing. If you said something against someone here today, you're allowed to cry because you got to heal. And then you can rejoice. But I need some rejoicers in this house. We got good music in this house. We got a great keyboard player. She taught my daughter how to play. And my God, we got the drummer extraordinaire here. So let's lift our hands. Let's lift our voice. And let's ask God, whatever you want to do in my life, Lord, I surrender it to you now in Jesus' name.